what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Thomas Grant's erotica. Of course. Thomas Grant's erotica. Expected goals. Thomas Grant's erotica. Dog's model. Thomas Grant's erotica. Eight oh two on a Thursday. Alfred Bruff. Sportsnet six fifty. Sultry. Alfred Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Thomas Drance is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Thomas Drance joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Drancer. How are you? I'm doing well, sitting uh, here in the bowels, or not the bowels, but in the bowl of the Canadian Tire Center awaiting what I expect to be a deeply connects optional skate. Um, on my way into the rink, by the way, I saw a guy at Tim Hortons absolutely lose his mind that his honey crispy bacon belt didn't have tomato or uh, lettuce on it. Like, absolutely lost his mind. Angriest I've seen a guy in public, which is weird. Yeah, how is iMac? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's strange, though, when that happens in gourd country, right? Like, in this part of the world, I expect nothing to work and everyone to be basically okay with that. Um, Gord but yeah, no, was uh, was an interesting morning. Um, Drancer, you mentioned that it'll probably be a, a sparsely attended morning skate because they did practice yesterday. Um, yeah. Tell us about Teddy Bluger and when the Canucks might expect him back into the lineup. Well, I mean, that's going to be my first question to Rick Tockett uh, in the scrum today. Bluger in? Like, we're, we're I think, at that point. We're, we're close enough that it could be any day. Um, would I would I bet that he returns today versus returning on Saturday or Sunday, one of the weekend games? Probably not. You know, um, maybe uh, maybe you can buy him an extra couple days um, if he doesn't play tonight. But like, he's right there. He's right there. He's officially day to day. Passed a pretty significant test yesterday, going through uh, a full practice as a full participant. Uh, stops and starts. He was unencumbered by any pain. Uh, related to that lower body injury, uh, that means he's ready to go. So I, I think it's just a question of, you know, when the Canucks decide they want to, you know, rip that Band-Aid off and, and make a pretty difficult decision in terms of who comes out of the bottom six. Do you think it's Anthony Beauvillier as the leading candidate right now? Yeah, I don't think, I, I mean, I would guess not. I think there's two things to keep in mind with Beauvillier. The first is, uh, that while he plays on the fourth line, he doesn't play fourth line minutes, right? Like really what the Canucks do is they've built a top line winger in the aggregate between Kuzmenko and Beauvillier, mm-hmm. right? When the team is leading, which they often are these days, they've let their, they've led more than any other team in the league uh, through the first month of the season, because what is this life? Um, it's Beauvillier who goes up with Pedersen and Mikheyev and, and sort of helps kill the game. Now, 
Um, you know, additionally, if this team's going to improve, if they're going to add the sorts of, you know, right-handed defenseman upgrade or uh, star level forward to this mix uh, with a team that's cooking uh, at some point in midseason or ahead of the trade deadline, like they're going to need to send money out. There's no cap space here. And as much as, you know, there, there's been smoke around Connor Garland for years and, and with it especially heating up over the course of the last month, you know, Beauvillier is an expiring deal and a $4 million cap hit. Like that's a way easier a piece to move out, whether it's to a third party or in a trade that brings in, you know, a, a win now ish type upgrade. So, you know, you, you got to manage that asset value. I, I think really carefully uh, if you're focused on short-term goals at all, uh, all of that said, I mean, taking Niels Hoaglander out, you know, should make the organization sick. And I'm sure it does <laughs> given the way that he's performed, given the apparent chemistry with Lafferty and given sort of the speed identity profile that those two in particular uh, have brought to that fourth line, right? I mean, you can see them stressing out opposition defenses on the breakout. You can see them, um, you know, be super effective in counterattacking situations when the Canucks are leading, right? Like that's a, that's been a really good line for the Canucks. They've used them late in games. It looks like Nils Hoaglander's turned a real corner in terms of, you know, figuring out how to stay in the lineup, how to appeal to the coaches, how to, how to demonstrate that growth in terms of his hockey IQ. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it would be merit-based, but uh, it's, it's hard to figure out how you do it um, if it's not Hoaglander coming out, frankly. What do you think of the third line right now with Suter, Garland, and Joshua? Yeah, it's playing well. Like, it's playing well. I, I, you know, I like Garland as a third-line driver. I think he's played really good hockey. Uh, Pew Suter's just like an honest, hardworking third-line guy. He's had some offensive success the last few games, but, you know, uh, again, this is a guy who I don't think you want in your top six, uh, but in terms of their offensive touch. But, man, uh, you know, uh, the idea that he's, like, too small to be a quality defensive piece um, is just absurd, right? I mean, you can see the work rate. You can see the honesty. You can see how he's always on the right side of the puck. Uh, the back checks, he's had some key ones. Uh, especially late in games as the Canucks have led. I mean, he's just a really sharp player. Like, sharp, good, high-quality depth. The type of guy you win with and the type of guy this team hasn't had enough of in recent years. And then, you know, Dakota Joshua, I think, has played, like I thought he was really good against Edmonton. Uh, I guess I guess it would be fair to say that he's been a bit inconsistent, but there's no question that this team needs him. Like, this team needs him in the lineup. They need what he brings. I've liked his work on the penalty kill, even if that role diminishes somewhat with Teddy Bluger coming back in the lineup, which I think is, you know, pro- a probability. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a way that this team's bottom six makes sense if Joshua isn't in the mix. So let's talk about expectations for this road trip. Uh, it's three teams that certainly aren't off to perfect starts to the season. Uh, Ottawa has issues, Toronto has issues, and Montreal. They are in a retool. They are in a rebuild. The expectations yep. for them weren't that high anyway. Um, uh, an opportunity for the Canucks to build on their already impressive start? Well, it is. But, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think it's important not to get too carried away here. Uh, there's, there's things that line up favorably about this road trip in particular. All three teams will be playing the second leg of a, of a back-to-back. Uh, the Canucks will only be playing the second leg of a back-to-back on, on one instance. Um, so in some ways, despite being on the road, this is a pretty favorable 
fight for the Canucks, you look at all of these rosters and, and the flaws are apparent, right? I, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that the Leafs' defense isn't fast anymore, that they've got too, too many one-dimensional forwards and not the ones you're thinking of. Um, you know, I, I think it's clear that the Senators, uh, from the back end out, um, don't connect play with the best of them, something that the Canucks have actually done really well this season. And then, and then Montreal is, you know, uh, I think going to be in a horse race with Columbus to finish uh, as the last place team in the East when we're all said and done, despite, you know, a promising start. So, I mean, you'd hope that the Canucks could play well, certainly based off of the fact that they've gotten off to this hot start. And I, I do think expectations around this team are mounting for what they can do this year. And yet, you know, one thing I was thinking about a little bit this morning when I was sort of looking at it was when I was last out on the road with this team, uh, they they finished in Nashville and they finished with a phenomenal performance. But that game in Edmonton, game two against the Oilers, right, was not a great performance, even though they ground out the win. Then Philadelphia, that was bad. Tampa Bay, that was bad. They stole the win in Florida, but it wasn't a great game, especially in the second half uh, of the contest. And so, you know, in contrast with their form at home where like game after game, they've been really good. Um, It's been a little spottier on the road. And and this is something that we can see sometimes, especially with teams that are, you know, a little bit shallower, right? Like that are a little bit more dependent on their top end um, when they don't have the the same level of control matchups, when you're not sticking uh, JT Miller and Philip Ronick and Quinn Hughes as like a five man unit uh, against McDavid, um, things can look a little bit different, a little bit spottier. So really for me, what I'm curious to see is can the Canucks sort of maintain their control games, the level of play we saw at home on the road, because, you know, aside from a a really good outing in Nashville and a all-star game exhibition shootout in in San Jose, you know, I I think it would be fair to say one thing we still haven't seen from this team is them string together the sort of consistent, efforts on the road that we have this season to this point. I think the exciting thing, if you're a fan of one, the Vancouver Canucks and two offense, it's that these next three games are going to be against three teams that are in the top 10 for most goals allowed in the (laughs) NHL, right? I mean, Toronto's one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And then Montreal and Ottawa are not far behind in terms of average goals allowed per game. Uh, I want to focus on Ottawa because that's obviously the opponent tonight, Drancer. Have you had a chance to gauge the temperature of where things are at, at least with the fans and media? Because we had Wayne Scanlon on the show earlier, and it seems as though that the the Brady-Kachuk versus the fans thing hasn't really necessarily gone away. They got an important victory yesterday in Toronto, but now they come back home to play in front of those fans who are still waiting for things to turn and go right. I do wonder if this yeah. this angry individual you ran into at Tim Hortons this morning might also be a Senators <laughs> fan. Maybe he was wearing a Stutzla jersey. I don't know, but how, how irate are fans with this team? No, I, I mean... They should be pretty irate, given the way the last 10 years have played out, much less the last five months. Um, you know, there's, I don't remember who said it, but it was, uh, it was a soccer player uh, or a soccer manager, football manager, uh, Halford, and, and their commentary was, you either entertain the fans or they'll entertain themselves by booing, right? Yeah, and, and for they'll, me, they'll, that's they'll like, keep themselves busy. Yeah, and that, and that to me is always like the, the rule, right? Um, if the fans are booing, you know, and I, I don't mean to say that the fans are always right or anything. We know that collective groups are not necessarily rational actors, but 
if fans are booing, I fundamentally think that's on, on the team, right? Like fans are literally there predispossessed to excuse every bad move you make, right? every mistake, right? Like fans are diehard. Um, they're attached to the laundry that these teams wear. They're at the point of showing their dissatisfaction explicitly. I, I always think that's on the performance of the team. Um, so, you know, I guess I'm team Sens fan uh, on this one, but I understand the frustration um, that this club has. I mean, they're, they're, you know, there's talent here. Like there's talent among this Senators team. I think it's an organization that's frequently been in their, the, the way of the team's performance. Um, and obviously over the course of the last month and a half, they've been, I saw someone on Twitter call them the Kardashians of the NHL always in the headlines. <laughs> and I, and I thought that was sharp. Like that's exactly it. Uh, and it's funny because last time we were here, right. Last time I was in this building, I was covering the bleep show as Bruce Boudreaux rather explicitly called it. Um, you know, they came after Rutherford, um, sort of blasted Boudreaux on the radio and that was a whole thing. Um, you know, and, and now it's like one thing that's going to be really interesting about this trip is the Canucks sort of go into Ottawa and Toronto with the panic there and Montreal with the Slavkovsky second guessing and uh, all of that. And it's like the Canucks are the placid team. Mm-hmm. It, you know, this is like the placid, well-aligned, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 so only weird. Dysfunction, the only dysfunction you can cite is, uh, is a battle of, of words between ex-managers on, on Vancouver Sports Talk Radio this week. I mean, it, it's, um, uh, it, hey, it's a good look. Like, it's a good look on Talkit. It's a good look on Rutherford and company. It's a good look for this team. Like, things seem pretty quiet. And uh, that's actually an edge that they're going to have as they roll into three Canadian markets with a chance to, you know, uh, set off explosions and then walk away and not look at them. Yeah, well, it's also running parallel with Calgary's trip back east too, right? And Calgary mm-hmm. couldn't be going through a more dysfunctional time. Although I will say they have won two games in a row, so good on them. But with the Huberto, Huberto benching and how bad things have been, it's hilarious to think that Vancouver is going to go rolling through eastern Canada as this like paragon of hockey virtue. Like everything is right with the Canucks, and mm-hmm. they've no, got no. they're going to win the Hart and the Norris and the yeah. Jack Adams. This is how you run a hockey team. Yeah, and I, have you gotten a sense of that? that yet like it went because you're following the team as they roll through and i know it's early days on the trip they haven't even played a game yet but we were all kind of sitting back with a curiosity about how this team is going to be portrayed by the east yeah well i, I mean i think a lot of it's going to depend on their results right uh you you practice in ottawa yesterday right not montreal or toronto so it's not like there was 18 cameras here sure. right if, if you'd been at the mastercard center uh in toronto or or you know out of out at uh frossard in, in montreal Maybe it's a little different, right? Maybe maybe there's a different level of attention, but like it was a pretty sparsely attended practice. It wasn't, um, you know, this team wasn't like um, greeted like they were on about to start a barnstorming tour of the of, of Eastern Canada as one of the hottest teams in the league or a contender, at least in terms of media attention in Ottawa. Maybe that just reflects the market itself, but uh, you know, I I think there's still probably a little bit of wait and see. You know, I I, I think I mean the betting markets will tell you that. Patterson's on the fringes of the top five for the heart. Uh, Quinn Hughes is still second, the second favorite behind Kale McCarr, which is, you know, probably a fair level of deference to, to a guy who's already built a Hall of Fame resume in his first uh, four years in the league, five years in the league. Um, Rick Tockett's favored to win the Jack Adams, but that's kind of it. Uh, like, even Demko's fringes of the top five per Vegas to win the Vesna, and, and I find it impossible to imagine that any goalie could be playing better 
uh, than what we've seen out of Demko in the first month of the season. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I think there's some wait and see. Honestly, I think there's some wait and see. This team has struggled. Quinn Hughes pointed this out, by the way. This team has struggled on this trip in the past, right? They struggled right. in that all-Canadian season. Like, I, I understand the stay-up-for-games thing is like a fun rallying cry, but the fact is is that when the Canucks have gone through the East uh, over the last few years, like since Hughes and Pedersen hit their primes, it's not like we've seen yet this core group put on a show, right, and, and, and sort of demonstrate what they can do, uh, you know, on the Eastern Seaboard against the top Canadian teams with the most media eyeballs on them. You know, I, I think there's a chance that this could become a real coming out party, but I don't think there's anticipation of that. Um, from the perspective of, of those Easterners uh, who will be, you know, getting a getting a first look at this team this season. Transfer <laughs> one more before we let you go. And uh, you brought this to the table earlier, so I'll circle back and rehash it now. Uh, the Linden versus Benning affair. It played out again yesterday on these airwaves on Sportsnet 650. Do you have any thoughts? Would you like to talk about Linden versus Benning? No, I'd just say that this is pretty consistent with what I was reporting three years ago, right? Um, in the wake of Judd Brackett's departure, um, there is a sort of contested accounts of precisely how the club came to draft Elias Pettersson fifth overall in 2017 uh, in Chicago. And yet there are some basically agreed upon facts. Uh, the club did change sort of how collaborative their scouting apparatus and, and more than just their amateur scouting apparatus, like, their entire functioning as an organization, um, which shouldn't be a surprise given how, you know, the, the summer of 2016 played out, right? Like everyone remembers the Olevi pick, but it was also the good Branson trade, right? Like it was also, um, I, I, I mean, fact check me on this, but I, I also think they picked uh, or they signed um, Louis Erickson that July 1st. So mm-hmm. like that's a pretty, that's a series of pretty significant errors in a pretty truncated period of time. And you can understand why thereafter there was sort of a, a bit of a change in emphasis uh, on collaboration uh, in the front office. Basically, all the principals involved will agree on that. Uh, basically, all the principals involved will agree that, you know, Benning thought Cody Glass was too low on their list, on the team's list. And I think when um, he talked to Raja, that was sort of what he was getting at with the idea of underscouted guys or guys that due diligence needed to be done with. Like, he, he thought... Cody Glass was being underrated in the, in the process, and, and that was the guy that he was, you know, I don't want to say pounding the table for, but certainly um, suggesting that the club needed to take a closer look at. Um, for all of that, all of that said, Glass never surpassed Pedersen on the club's list, and definitely there are people close to the process who feel strongly, and and this isn't a universal opinion, but there are people who feel strongly that without Lyndon's involvement and his insistence on a new collaborative approach, um, Pedersen wouldn't have been the pick. That's contested still, but that's absolutely for sure how many of the principals involved in the process feel about the process itself. Um, you know, all of that said, it feels like history, you know, like it's history. The fact is, is that if you look at those last two years where Lyndon was still involved, uh, Brackett was the director of amateur scouting and Lyndon was the GM, it's like, you get Pedersen at five, you get Hughes at seven, you know, you come out with a bunch of guys who still may have NHL careers or at least have played NHL games. I mean, five guys from that 2017 class have played, you know, Jet Wu may yet play NHL games, right? Like you're going to end up with like two superstars without picking in the top three, 
plus, like bona fide superstar level players and, and an additional seven guys who, who played NHL games. Like uh, this was a partnership that functioned well, like it worked and that's how it should be remembered um, regardless of who specifically gets credit for it. Transfer, thanks for doing this, bud. Uh, enjoy Canada. That's not a phrase that ever gets uttered. Enjoy it as much as you can, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Yeah, I cannot wait to get out of here. Oh, Cheers, God. boys. Well done. See you, buddy. Uh, Thomas Trance, dad joke extraordinaire from the Athletic Yikes. Vancouver. That's not bad, actually. Uh, we're here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, get your What We Learns in. Include the ticket emoji if you want to be uh, entered into the contest for wrestling tickets. Smackdown. Smackdown. WWE Smackdown, January 5th. Wrestling tickets. Uh, I'm going to do a quick What We Learned. I learned that when I'm away next week, yeah. you're going to really be able to dig into some soccer talk because Canada, next Friday starts a very important two-game set with Jamaica. Jamaican me excited over here. All right, we're going to go to break. Uh, <laughs> he got to say I cannot wait to get out of here. Yeah. At any rate, uh, what's on the line here is a trip to the 2024 Copa America yeah. tournament, which is going to be held in the United States and is going to involve... Some pretty good teams because a lot of teams from South America, this is their tournament. Um, it seems to have like an inconsistent format. Like it's not only the South American teams that participate in this. Some years it's held, some years it's not. But anyway, yeah. next summer will be the Copa America and Canada really needs to be part of this. Yes. Like they, they have to be. And the deal is, is there's eight teams still left in CONCACAF with a chance to qualify for six spots. So if Canada beats Jamaica in this home and away, and the home game is November 21st in Toronto, yeah, it's not here, it's in Toronto, which is interesting decision considering the very strong Jamaican contingent in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I digress. If Canada can beat Jamaica, they book a spot. If they can't, they will play a single uh, game elimination uh, against all the losers. So it could be a game against, you know, Trinidad and Tobago or Honduras or or Panama, depending how those other games go. Um, but I noticed in this roster that Canada released, yeah, there was quite a bit of pushback to the old guys that were still involved. Oh, you mean like Cavallini mean, is Borean, still there. Cavallini, Milan, Borean, Vittoria. So... Canada soccer, obviously, is they're going through a transition. They don't even have, like, a full-time manager. Mm -hmm. Is their thinking with this, like, just qualify for Copa, use the veterans, qualify for Copa America, and then maybe we get to hire a manager, and then maybe some of the older guys like Cavallini will get moved on? So the thought is bring in the most quote-unquote, experienced and quote-unquote veteran group imaginable mm-hmm. so that even if you have a guy like, for example, Samuel Piet or uh, Cavallini, there's a chance they won't even play over the two matches. Probable Cavallini won't play, they'll right? Ju- well, who knows? Yeah. They'll ju- but he'll, they'll just be there. So this is a nod to vibes and veteran leadership and experience and what these guys know and what they bring and bringing the group back and bringing a sense of familiarity. The issue is... You have to kind of look ahead. You need to serve 
a few masters at once. And only they've got one um they've got one really young kid that plays in Fulham's Academy that they've brought in. I think he's 18 years old. Mm-hmm. But then they've also got like Steven Vittoria, who's getting closer to 40, and Milian Borjan. And if Borjan's playing in net, I think it really says something about the state of the state of the group because I'm not even sure that he's the quote unquote safe choice in net anymore. Right. Like I think like, that why wouldn't it be Max Crepeau? Or Dane St. Clair. St. Clair was great at the Gold mm. Cup. They just want to qualify. Part of me understands going back with the old they, guard and the guys that are good in the qualify. room. They have to go. This is like uh, this is like Euro qualifying. I don't right? think it's, everyone it's a- understands how difficult this is going to be because the Jamaican national team is currently constructed is not like previous iterations of mm-hmm. it in that they went out and recruited really, really aggressively in the Premier League for guys that had dual nationality that had maybe previously been capped by England, but because of that one-time FIFA change, were allowed to come over. Like Mikhail Antonio, Leon Bailey, Bobby Deckard over Reed. There are a lot of guys that play routinely and regularly at the highest levels in the Premier League, and they're going to be in the mix. I mean, I would just be very, very disappointed if Canada doesn't qualify for this, considering they just qualified for the World Cup. You might want to prep yourself for that potential disappointment because my hopes are not super high right now. The team has not played well internationally over the last little bit. They're coming off a rather dour result against Japan. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to Mauro Biello, the interim gaffer, who I think has been put in a very difficult position, but this might not be um, something that he's able to stick handle and navigate. I just don't know if he has. And not a lot of guys do have the managerial experience to take a two-match home and away with this many states. It's just the opportunity at hand here to play in the United States. Like, that's a great road trip. If you want to go on a sports road trip next summer, you fly into one of these American cities that's hosting, and you could watch Canada play Brazil. You could watch Canada play Argentina, in theory. Mm Mm-hmm. But they got to qualify for this first. So you're going to have some soccer talk on your hands uh, next week. Congratulations to all the listeners for that, especially Andrew and Victoria, who loves the soccer talk. He's already written in. Give us a moo cow. Send in your What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay. We've got a few things we need to take care of. TCOB on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we will do our What We Learns first. It'll be an abbreviated version. We only have a couple. Then we will go to the humanoids and give out 
the grand prize winner for a pair of tickets to see WWE's SmackDown, or as Jason refers to it, wrestling or something. <laughs> January 5th, Rogers Arena, WWE SmackDown. That's on a Friday. Okay, Laddie, you're going to start with what we learned because you had one yesterday that we didn't get to because we were just so busy in that final hour. You skipped me. Yeah, I know. But we're not skipping you today, my friend. You're like, what's it about? And I was like, goalies. And you're like, all right, we're skipping it. We're so busy today. <laughs> so busy. Well, there's a lot of talk today about Philip Gustafson, the Minnesota Wild goaltender, and his conditioning and yeah. this tough start he's off to the season. While his goalie partner, Marc-Andre Fleury, off to a pretty good start. He's uh, kind of handling the load there for Minnesota. He's also very, very close to passing Patrick Waugh on the all-time wins list. He's four away from tying, five away from passing him for second, and he's also nine games away from his 1,000th career game. Goalies don't get to that marquee number very often, so keep your eye on uh, Marc-Andre Fleury if you want some other hockey to watch and is, see a milestone. Is Marc-Andre Fleury your favorite goalie of all time? Ooh, I, I would have one? I've never even asked you this. He I might be my favorite this. personality yeah. of, of the goalies of all time. He's Anyone you talk to just says he's exactly how you would imagine he him to be. He is so easy to root for. Yeah. And it was actually hard to watch him earlier in his career when he clearly had some yips or whatever was going on in the playoffs. Do you remember that Flyers-Penguin series? That was like, <laughs> yeah. do that, I? That was unbelievable, the scores in that 11, series. 11-7, 12-9, there was 9,000. And that was back in the day when like league save percentage was, was you know, 9-15 or it was not 9-20. Yeah. That yeah, series just crazy. came out of nowhere and blew up. I Marc-Andre Fleury is the, the goalie we can all agree on because he's so nice and he's got the big smile. and He's, he's like, just fun. He seems to have fun with And there's life. still people out there that don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Like, you don't get to these numbers and not make the Hall of Fame. Oh, he's he's you, you know how... Hall of talk to some Penguins fans that still Hall harbor a lot of feelings yeah. against You know how beloved Marc-Andre Fleury is? Is that he feuded with his coach so bitterly in Vegas that the agent put out a picture of a Peter DeBoer sword going through the back Mark Andre Fleury. And Fleury got no no like heat for that whatsoever. They asked him at the presser. He's like, I don't know what you're talking well, about. And then the, it was over. The thoughts around that whole argument with him and Deborah was, hey, if you have a problem with Mark Andre Fleury, that's a you that's problem. A you problem, you yeah. are the only person in the world, Peter DeBoer, that has a problem with Mark Andre Fleury. Give us a look on that. Mukau, Mark Andre. Okay, Ben, you're going to be doing a lot of stuff here. Yes. You're going to do a basketball, what we learned for us, because you are basketball, Ben. Yes. Then we're going to quickly reset, and you're going to announce the winner. You ready to do all this? I can do it. Okay, let's go basketball first. If Greg does a goalie take, i got to do a basketball. That's one. right. You have mm. to live up to your name. The NBA, what we learned, the NBA had a really tough night last night. Yeah. Giannis sure Antetokounmpo did. got ejected from a game for dunking on somebody and kind of celebrating in their face. And <laughs> You're not allowed to do that? Asked to leave, and then he just sat courtside and said, I'm not leaving. That was the best move. Folded his arms and said... He just sat away. down. And NBA security was like, he's pretty big. I can't yeah, move I him. <laughs> we need backup. He is supposed to be here. <laughs> Call the backup. Yeah, it was a lousy ejection. They just all sat there. Victor yeah. Wembenyama was in Madison Square Garden last night and heard overrated chance because mm. he played horribly and the Spurs looked horrible. That was the most disappointing thing of the night. Yeah. I actually made a point of watching that because it's every, if you go back and look at the annals of NBA greats, they always take their first time in Madison Square Garden very seriously. They always try and put it's on the mecca show. of basketball. Yeah. And, and even he said that. He's like, this is the most famous arena to play basketball in. I want to put on a show tonight. And he was even, you know, talking about how the greats have all had massive games there. Mm. And he put up a bit of a stinker. It, it was, was not good. Not he just good. wasn't shooting well or he just was? Just couldn't make a shot. Mitchell Robinson, the Knicks center before the game, said, I'm just going to play him like Porzingis or 
Bulbul or one mm-hmm. of those guys. I kind of know how to do this. Right. And he completely shut him down. It was it was a tough look for Wembenyama, the NBA. The Lakers also, lost by thirty last night. Did yeah. Dylan Brooks get Dylan Brooks locked up LeBron? Locked him man. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Locked him up. He and, said he was going to lock. And him James up. Harden in his second game with the Clippers. The Clippers lose again. So bad night for the NBA. Everybody looks bad. Did you see Harden hit Ian Eagle with his pass? His yeah, pass, he's court pass. Live oh, broadcast. That was incredible. It's coming towards me. <laughs> that was incredible. It's coming what towards me. What awareness! Yeah, he knew the whole thing. That he was looked great. He, he looked very uncomfortable catching it. If you saw, it. but he caught Paul it. George. I love Ian Eagle. Um, here, I've got a question for you, a very casual NBA fan question. Why is everyone talking about Scotty Barnes right now? Because he's, he's awesome. just been playing out of his mind in the fourth quarters mm-hmm. and kind of dragging the Raptors along when the team has been playing quite mediocre. That was a good win by the Raptors last night, though. Great win. The Mavs the, were 6-1 and one the, going the come into back against the Spurs the yeah. other night. Like, yeah. They've had some good wins, haven't they? They have. And some really ugly losses. And yeah. a lot of it's because of Scotty. <laughs> They're 4-4. Yeah. Four and four. Okay, give us a Muko on that basketball talk. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fire up the dot matrix, print out some humanoid submissions, including the winner. Uh, what we learned is humanoid's version is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Ben, you are going to now announce the winner of the SmackDown tickets. The winner is David from Surrey. What we learned, I learned that I would like to see the Benning Bros and Linden Loyalists <laughs> battle within a WWE ring in a battle royale. That'd be incredible. That'd be great. Yeah, be yeah. A lot of bitter hatred. Rogers Arena. <laughs> a lot of bad athletes out there. I was going to say, a bunch of overweight guys getting thrown out of a ring. <laughs> I'm going to get this results. guy over the top rope. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, just, he'll just roll out the under <laughs> underside of the ring. Which team would you want to scout for? I don't want any part of it, to be honest. No. We do. Okay, we had a, a serious. Someone's retainer would get thrown out the ring. That's right. <laughs> you're all nerds. We had a serious debate yesterday asking whether or not we should even entertain this particular Mm -hmm. storyline given that there's so much going on with the Canucks right now in a one more recent and two more positive vein right Mm -hmm. uh so hold I gotta I gotta say one thing I've had this story in my head for a little while so I'm gonna manipulate a little bit of time here so one of the jumping off points for me with Linden when we were doing this was I was like, oh, you've seen that Trevor Linden now is a spokesman for Prairie Natural Health Products. I don't You didn't know this. I didn't know this. You I guys have he seen just the commercials, right? No, yeah. now he's into the. So uh, these are like health and wellness supplements, right? Okay. Yeah. We all know what we're talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this one can put more jam in your yam. Like those can. You're like, what are you talking about, really? Everyone knows what we're going with. Like their health and wellness. Sometimes guys, when they get into their 40s, they lose a little bit of their you know what. And they need a boost. <laughs> right. Okay? Is that true? You'll what find out. <laughs> anyway, so this, this is a. <laughs> I play in a basketball, uh, we have basketball one on, run on Wednesday nights, and it's for guys of our age mm-hmm. in their 40s. And right. you don't have a lot of guys left still playing basketball. So recruitment becomes important. Mm-hmm. You have to find guys that can play at a particular level and can run up and down the floor without having a jammer. It's tough. You kind of have to go outside your network to find people sometimes. Okay. So you kind of get friends of friends and stuff, right? How or, is this all? How is this story all going to lead to? So 
a while ago, I feel comfortable telling this story now. We had a, a guy come aboard that nobody really knew. And in addition to his regular job, his side hustle was he sold men's health and wellness supplements. Okay. For the health and wellness supplement salesperson, finding a new group of 40-something men. Oh, yeah. It's manna from heaven. It's yeah, like a, yeah. it's an entire customer base. Fish in a barrel, baby. Now, the other part of this is that <laughs> as being a welcoming guest, you kind of have to play along and be nice. Mm. You can't shoot down, even though you're like, uh, are you going to sell me knives and or Tupperware at some point? Like, you have to play yeah, yeah, along, yeah. right? Part so, of, so how did, did he bring you all together and say, I want, no, I want to talk to you? They were all one-on-ones. Oh, boy. But part of the shtick is you give the guy a taste of the product. You don't oh, ask for the sales right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give the guy a taste. So one of the guys on our team, super nice guy, played along and took one of the free supplements, chucked it in his bag, mm-hmm. and then just you know was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll try it, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. This same guy calls me a week later. He's like, we got a problem. He's like, my, uh, I, I left my bag at home, mm-hmm. and I asked my wife to do my laundry. Oh, and no. She opened it up, <laughs> and she found a gigantic pile of horny goat weed supplements. The guy gave me horny goat weed supplements. So he's like, my wife doesn't even think I play basketball now. She's convinced that I am out there on Wednesday nights having this torrid affair popping horny goat weed like it's going out of style. Or or he needs the horny goat weeds for her. No, because yeah, apparently that was another wrinkle. That that might be even worse too. So I had to get on the phone. (laughs) Horny horny goat weeds? Is that a thing? It's Yeah, you can look it up. Okay. It's a libido enhancer. Do they work? <sighs> Did like he ever Grandpa try Simpsons? them? We never got to the bo- no. It was just a, it was sitting in his bag, but because <laughs> because they were packed, the wife assumed that he was taking these to and from whatever he was doing on Wednesday. Yeah, you're always come back all sweaty and tired. So I had to make two phone calls that day: one to the guy's wife and been like, "We are playing basketball." And two. <laughs> To the supplements guy being like, thanks, but no thanks. You're not welcome back. That is the story. Unintended consequences, folks. It happens. I still want to know if they work. I Nobody took them. Okay. But I'm sure. You know what? I'm 100% sure at least one of our listeners right now, one has and two will text in and tell Mike us. Mike yeah. like, I didn't need them. I didn't even get those ones. Do we have what we learned? <laughs> Marcus and Gibson's. Have we printed out everything? Oh, yeah. We okay. did all that. Long yeah, time yeah, ago. That was a long story. Sorry. Marcus and Gibson's. What we learned, maybe Bradch Reliving will solve Toronto's defensive problems by acquiring ex-Canucks like he did in Calgary. Myers, Cole, Tanev, our UFAs this summer. Heck, even Alex Edler will be available. So is, yeah. I, in all I, honesty, I wonder if he's looking at Hannafin. That's another one of his ex-defensemen. Now, that's a little different because it's actually a Calgary guy, not a guy he took from Vancouver to play for Calgary. But right. I saw Tyler Myers, and I was like, I could see that. I feel like Brad Tree Living would be a Tyler Myers guy. I don't know why. Going to have to... I mean, he'll be in charge for a little while, right? They're mm-hmm. going to give Tree Living some, some oh, of rope course. there. Of course. He he's got a to, lot of cap space coming off. I know, and he's right? going to have to dramatically rebuild that blue line. Mm-hmm. If they're going to keep running it back with the same guys up front. And, you know, we were talking to McIndoe earlier. It sure sounds like that's what they're going to do. It's like we've got four really good forwards here. Maybe it'll be three because we lose one, but that's going to be at least for another, but I'd they, say, two years. They can't right? let Nylander go for free. They can't let him walk. No. So, and Tree and Living was the one who went through this with Johnny Gaudreau. They can't do that. Like, Nylander is the type of guy that would walk. He'd be like, okay, yep. see you later, right? Like, I can play anywhere. 
Um, he, he's, 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 he's got, cool. he's got that, he's got that indifference. Yeah. He's got that total indifference. Like, hmm, all right, I'll take the I'll subway. Go somewhere else. I'll take the subway to the game. It doesn't matter. I don't even care. That was what he did yesterday, by the way. Did he? Did you not see it? No. It was everywhere. It was all because over Because he social. took the subway to the game? Yeah. The, and there was, does he deserve a parade or something? Well, I think there was, there was a guy, what might've been amusing was there was a guy sitting beside him wearing Toronto Maple Leafs gear oh, and he was like buried in his phone. I don't think he realized that he was taking the subway with Nylander, but mm. it was one of those, oh, here's the Eastern media. We got to talk about this for an hour. Like when Austin Matthews has a new jacket. Yeah. But yeah. like, who cares? So he just uh, rides public transit? Yeah. It was a big deal. Oh, not a big deal, but they made it a big, but deal. it's like you so much I mean? easier to take public transit in some of those cities. Oh yeah. I know. You know, like New York, you would rather take the subway. Right. That makes sense. Unless you had like a car service. That'd be nice too. Or an electric scooter. You see more and more of those around. Uh, unsigned one. Hashtag WWL what we learn. Manchester United is bad. Like really bad. They could possibly be the only franchise to stone cold stun themselves. Good effort with the wrestling thing. Unfortunately, we gave away the tickets. Yeah, a loss in Champions League to FC Copenhagen is not good. If I hear one more VAR story, like every, VAR. every soccer story that I click on mm-hmm. to do my prep for this show, it's someone complaining about the officiating or VAR. Yeah, what what the hell is going on over there? Well, unintended consequences. Uh, I don't think anyone knew exactly where VAR was going to take us, mm-hmm. but it has completely undermined referees to the point where the referees' decisions either don't matter because they're going to defer to the big video board in the sky, or every decision they do is going to be so thoroughly scrutinized because they're like, well, they got it wrong. They don't know what they're doing. Look at VAR. Look at the replay. But then even people seem to be thinking that the guys are reviewing the VAR and still getting it wrong. Yes, that's true. Right? Yeah. Like, that's 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 yeah. the main... Like, Eric Ten Hag yesterday said, the game was never meant to be like this. No. And I think it, it, that's... It, it, that's and fair. I think that's a, that's a fair point, right? Mm-hmm. We weren't supposed to sit for a few minutes and, like, the game is going on and we're, like, wondering if the referee is going to get the call to review it, right? Like, like it's, it's, I don't know, it just seems weird, but it's this can of worms that's been opened. It's the millimeters of offside, which is destroying everything. Or the subjective penalty calls. Yeah, that's true as well. Because, I mean, in the, in the, I mean, in the we, Whitecaps we, game, we, for example. We always joke, like, well, I don't know what goaltender interference is. Yeah. Half the time I'm watching soccer, I'm like, I don't know, maybe? Is there, is there inconsistencies in... In how those calls are are made, even at the VAR level, even when you have this review, I mean, wasn't there controversy in the Whitecaps game? Yes, yeah, very much so, because it was called a penalty, and they're you know it's one of those things where it's like, well, is there enough to overturn? As opposed to is VAR going to make the decision based on the mm-hmm. information that it has, or is it? Well, we think one thing, but it's not enough to overturn what the call on the field was made. And then on top of all that, you had like the blatant miscommunication. Mm-hmm. VAR uh, was that a Liverpool game? Yes, that's right. happened a couple times now too. Like that can't it? happen. No, that. But I'm I'm getting real tired of hearing about it, and sometimes I just wish like we just went back to the old days. Yeah. Although. You know, it's funny. Like the I was playing old days. I was playing a I was playing a beer league game, and there was a goal that we thought didn't go in, and the other team thought went in, right? And the referees had no idea, like none, right? And they just they huddled and then they made a guess, and I can't even remember how it went. It's beer league. Who cares? Yeah. But I was thinking, like, that's how it used to work in the NHL. Yeah, you huddle together. Well, anyone see not, it? No. Like, can no, you imagine no. some of those conversations, like? And then you would sometimes talk to like 
the goalie judge behind it. He's like, I, I didn't see this. Like, yeah. well, there's tons of. He's like, I didn't see if it crossed the line. And then, and then you just had to accept it. Yeah, they made a decision, and then you you were just like, okay. I mean, that's I had a clip from Ange Postacoglu, Big Ange, the manager of Tottenham Hotspur, and he said like the erosion of the referee's call is probably the biggest unintended consequence. It used to be like you lived and died with good and bad decisions, but you always lived to play another day and you'd move on and you would accept the referee's call. Mm -hmm. You didn't necessarily agree with it, but you would accept it. He likened the referees to police in a way. He's like, you know, sometimes you don't like the behavior and sometimes you think they got it wrong, but you have to live with the consequences. Well, did you know that, and you remember we spent all that time during the Rugby World Cup saying rugby's got it right with their refereeing. Mm -hmm. The referee who refereed the uh, the final between South Africa and New Zealand had death threats after yeah. that. I right? mean, like so, it's 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 a problem because of so much focus on VAR. But he was also saying, like, with social media, people are able to make these threats to referees, mm-hmm. and if you're a referee. And that's why I don't really love, like, I don't like complaining about refereeing. I'm okay saying, like, that was a bad call or whatever, but, to, like, to go in on these people. And his point was, like, hey, we're human beings. Yeah, I know. Right? But, like, and we're going to make mistakes. Here's the issue that I have with that is that they exist on a plane and in a landscape, in a landmine, landfield often, where players are making millions of dollars and being scrutinized at the highest degree. The answer to all of this, honestly, and I've thought about this a lot because I complain about officiating more than anyone, double and triple what they're paid. If you truly believe that this is one of the hardest jobs going, then financially reward them accordingly. Like the way that officials are paid and the rank and file are paid is ridiculous. MLS referees have to have second jobs, basically. Well, so does the the rugby referees. I I can't remember his name. Wayne Barnes or something like that. Um, He's a lawyer. Pay them a lot more. A lot, lot more. And then maybe, maybe you can start having the conversation of holding them up to the kind of scrutiny that they get. Because you say, hey, if you want this job, you're going to be paid handsomely. But it also comes with the inherent complaints and criticisms that you get for being an official. Let's end it with that, shall we? We got to get out of here for today. We will be back tomorrow. Bruff's last show before he goes on vacation. He will come back from vacation. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been Basketball Ben. He's been Laddie. This has been the Health of the Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.